Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Our first guest uh, we are honored to have with us is Tammy Ben Hayim, the Minister for Public Diplomacy of the Embassy of Israel in Washington. She has been serving as the Minister of Public Diplomacy in Washington since August of 2018. As a career diplomat, Tammy has spent more than 17 years in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, over 20 years in civil service. Uh, During her time in Jerusalem, she worked on both Central and South Asia desks. Prior years, she served as Deputy Chief of Missions in Athens, Greece, and as a Counselor for Internal Politics in New Delhi, India. We're so honored to have you with us, Tammy. Uh, If you can please uh, tell us what's going on and how we can better pray and help the nation of Israel. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much and good evening for having me here tonight. It's important to me personally to be here and share some of my thoughts and, you know, that you know what's happening in Israel. It's important for us at the embassy. And I think most importantly, it's important for the people right now in Israel, Uh, the people who are under rocket attacks. And for almost a week now, we don't notice, you know, time passes by so quickly for a week, almost a week now. Millions of Jews, millions of civilians in Israel have been under rocket fire from terrorist groups from Gaza. They haven't been sleeping nights. They've been running to shelters. Schools have been closed. Ten people have uh, have been killed by these rockets. You know, a five-year-old boy was killed. A 55-year-old man, you know, minding his own business was killed. An 89-year-old Holocaust survivor survived all these atrocities throughout her life just to be killed by a terrorist rocket, you know, living in her home country in Israel, you know, where she's supposed to be safest of all. And this is what I wanted to share with you tonight. I said uh, that there were uh, three over, you know, 3,100 rockets already. And we need to understand, you know, people try to say it's because Israel did this or Israel did that. And, you know, this is in a dispute in a courthouse. I, there is no connection between those things. Uh, and if there is a connection, you know, you don't start shooting at rockets. You figure out how to solve the problems. But the Hamas terrorist organization and the Islamic Jihad and other organizations in Gaza were looking for any excuse to start, uh, to start a war, to start firing rockets in Israel. And we see this by the amount of rockets they have and the preparations they did to do it. It's not so it didn't suddenly happen. The, uh, these terror organizations are controlling Gaza and controlling millions of civilians in, with the sole purpose of destroying the state of Israel. And they're trying to do this now. And you may ask, how was it that no more people were hurt? How can you only have only, I mean, each person is a whole world. But when you say 10 people killed and over 3,100 rockets, it's because we have our friends in the United States and we have the Iron Dome missile defense system. So for every rocket they shoot that we figure is going to be landing in a neighborhood, on homes, on schools, on hospitals, we have the Iron Dome system that we can shoot and you know the government of Israel and the state of Israel cares for its citizens, cares for its people. So they, with the system developed with the US, they're able to shoot down most of these missiles. So it's not by luck, it's not by chance, it's by working hard with people like you 
that we're able to protect ourselves. But even this system, as we now see, is not foolproof. And these terrorists keep on trying and each year they get better. They're funded by Iran. They're funded by other countries that have a lot of money and interest also in destroying Israel. And they don't hide it. They're saying it plain and simple. So the, if they keep, if they're able to keep up and if they're able to keep working this, they won't stop until they reach this final goal. And what the state of Israel has to do, the government, the people of Israel, along with people like you, is make sure that they don't do it, that they're not able to do it, that they're hit hard enough, first and foremost, to not be able to recuperate so quickly, to not be able to continue on this mission of destroying Israel and destroying the people of Israel, one, that, that we stop them now, and secondly, that they're not able to regenerate themselves to start getting the funding again, international funding, funding from, as we said, you know, countries like Iran, who, who try to make sure that terrorist groups who want to destroy Israel have the ability to do so, that the money doesn't get to them, that the equipment doesn't get to them, and they can't get up and do it again. And they do it indiscriminately, and there's no rhyme and no reason. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. One of the messages and one of the things that's so important for us to bring out is that terror is terror. And you don't solve anything by shooting rockets at civilians. And if you could relay this message to the people you speak to or your friends, you know, your local papers, everybody these days as we are at this very moment online. So the first message is terror is terror. It doesn't matter what your cause is or what you think, you should not be doing this. And the people of Israel have a right to be safe. And it's the duty of our government to, and our IDF and our defense forces to keep us safe. And th this is the second message. Israel has the right to defend itself. Any other country in the world, any other area in the world, if they were bombarded by hundreds of rockets a day, they would take up arms and they would say, no more, stop it. And Israel's home, you know, for, for our, of course, holiest of places, for Christianity, holiest of places, for other religions, Jerusalem and Israel is the heart of so, so many millions, if not billions of people around the world. We look onto Jerusalem, we look onto Israel. Our faith is planted there, our lives are there. So I know it sounds simple, but it's not, but it's not easy for us to get this message out. The terror must be stopped. Terror is terror. And Israel has this right to protect itself. And basically when we protect our land, we're protecting it for everybody. Of course, first and foremost for us who live there and go to school there and pray there, but it's for everybody. And if I may say a story now, you know, it's tonight is starting the holiday of Shavuot of Pentecost for us. And I just want to tell you a small story of resilience. Uh, you know, Israel is seven hours ahead. And so the holiday has already started there. It's been sundown and the holiday started. But a few hours up in the afternoon, a rocket hit a synagogue in Ashkelon. Luckily, nobody was there yet for the prayers. Because if it was a few hours later, the synagogue would have been full of people praying. So, you know, by the grace of God or... They, it, they were spared and the building was, but the, the building was shattered. But within two hours, the community 
was able to clear things up, get the chairs going, get things going, and they held prayers for the beginning of Pentecost this evening as a community in their synagogue, in and around. Because, But it's just amazing the resilience. And the people who live in Israel are, you know, full of faith and are strong. But they need your prayers and they need your assistance as well to keep the strength. It's not easy to keep your strength, to keep your inner faith. You know, after being bombarded seven days, you don't sleep nights. And it's mothers and children. And it's my parents who are a bit older. They also have to run to the shelter. And it's not easy for them. Two, three times a night getting up and going and coming. And my dad was too tired one day and my mom got very agitated. What, is she going to leave him and then run? Or This is not the way people should be living. And, you know, and it's avoidable and it can be stopped. So before I open it up to questions, I just would like to say, definitely, you know, your faith, your prayers, the strength that you send to us, we feel it and we need it. But also if you could voice the messages that we need with us. We're protecting our land. We're protecting our people. We're protecting the holiest places on earth. And it's against terror. Um, and it's all the other issues we can discuss some other time because not when rockets are falling on us. But this is the point at the moment. And really anything uh, you can do, as we said, online, not online, um, you know, you can follow me or follow the embassy uh, on Twitter and, you know, uh, retweet us or help us send the message. But these are or on your own, even to, you know, your local politicians in your area. Just this message. First, stop the terror. First, let the kids go back to school. Let people live. And Israel should definitely have the right, you know, to do so like anybody else. Mario, you're, you're muted. Amy, thank you so much um, for the briefing, for that personal um, things, gives, give us a real understanding of what you're going through. And that was absolutely amazing, that synagogue in Ashkelon. Um, I have a Beautiful. few questions and then uh, Jim will have some questions. Um, number one, would, would you be kind enough to go over, we heard on the news reports how, um, the IDF said that it was going to go into a land invasion and then the Hamas uh, terrorists, many of them went into tunnels. And that, that, that was a strategic move on behalf of Israel to deal with the terrorists and to protect the innocent. I know um, no one like Israel um, fights the way Israel does, uh, bending over backwards to protect innocent life in Gaza. Can you uh, share a little bit about, about that? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think you described, because uh, what we have to mention, right? Now we're dealing with the rockets, but Hamas, rockets aren't their only tool that they use. They're building terror tunnels, tens of them from Gaza, from within Gaza into Israeli territory. They're aiming to hopefully be able to go to a kibbutz, which is a you know a village, a farming farming villages in south of Israel, they're hoping through these terror tunnels to be able to deliver explosive and their people and kill people. This is what these terror tunnels are for. The ones going into Israel and the others that are going to the south or through other or through Egypt 
are, this is how they bring their tools and their missiles that Iran supplies. So it's the rockets are the are one part, but the, uh, Hamas doesn't stop there. And what the IDF did, and you so nicely described, was trying to figure out, it's very difficult to find tunnels, obviously, as they're underground and they're well hidden. And Hamas, again, like I said before, every year they learn more, they become better funded, they, they innovate. They, instead of helping their people, they innovate their tactics of war and terror. So what IDF did was, was able to cause an alarm there between uh, amongst the terrorists and get them to go into the tunnels. And this way it saw where the tunnels were, at least some of them. Uh, we can never be sure that we got all of them. And then they were able to target those tunnels and hopefully at least the tunnels that they targeted will not be usable in the you know, future few years. Um, but yeah, but it just goes to show what they do with their, the money they get from the you know, international donors or money they get from others, instead of helping their people, instead of getting uh, instead of getting medicines, uh, supplying the hospitals, making more and better uh, um, educational facilities and schools for their children, they're busy trying to dig tunnels and trying to and building rockets. Um, so yeah, so in addition, we use this operation to hopefully damage their tunnel system. Um, it's my understanding that there has been substantive damage done to um, some of the Hamas leadership and some of their, uh, we saw, uh, just a side question, um, can, do, does one assume that AP and Al Jazeera was in one of Hamas's terrorist places that, that they literally, I, I'm assuming AP and Al Jazeera must have known where they were and maybe they were comparing notes and that's why the news is so slanted. Is that a proper assumption? The news, The news has been slanted and we see it with every, sadly, you know, every few years when Hamas gathers enough rockets or feels strong enough to strike us, we see the slanted news. It didn't start today and it didn't start yesterday. And sadly, it's been going on for years. Um, the building there, uh, and, you know, I'll use it as an example. Uh, Hamas used the building. I'm sure Hamas uses most of the buildings in the area, right? And I'm sure it had pretty good infrastructure if Al Jazeera and AP and other news sources could use it. So it had electricity, right? It had water. I'm sure it had generators that, that these press, uh, you know, international press brought in not to help Hamas, to help themselves. But Hamas used it. The same. Hamas goes into hospitals and goes to the ground floor and build, puts its you know, uh, keeps its rockets in hospitals. To put Israel in the impossible position, what do you do? If you're trying to target a terrorist or if you're trying to target a silo of rockets and it's in a hospital, it's in a school, it's in a place where, you know, international press and international and, you know, people are there who aren't connected, what do you do? So what Israel did this time and which it does every time, it, it, it made its, it's, uh, it made its target clear. It said, we are going to strike. It was a Hamas intelligence headquarters, uh, the building you're talking about. So it said, we're going to strike this building because it has infrastructure that Hamas uses. It told the international press to leave. It, made, it gave them enough time to take the supplies and take computers. I don't know if everything, but it wasn't the last minute where they had to run for their lives. They had good warning of, you know, of a good amount of time. And when the building was empty, or at least empty from civilians, 
And for people who are non-combatants and non-terrorists who are not relevant to this, the IDF did what, it's had to, what it had to do and destroyed this infrastructure that helped Hamas intelligence. So, so they're using it. And you're right. We see many different stories about Israel tried to stop the press. No, Israel didn't target the building because there was press there. Israel right. was targeting the building because Hamas was using this building as it uses many, many other buildings in Gaza. So, so um, uh, Hamas has been weakened. Uh, a lot of their facilities, some of their key leadership have, have been taken down. Um, obviously, Israel has been very, very successful in its strike. Where is the prime minister now? Might we still see a ground invasion? Is it winding down? Is there anything you can say of where Israel is at today, what it wants to see, um, you know, to, to come back to normal? Yeah, I, I, I'm not privy and I shouldn't be, uh, neither to the military uh, strategy that's how, or, you know, the military steps that are going to be taken or what is discussed in, uh, with the prime minister in our security uh, cabinet. But let's look at, uh, we see that the U.S. is involved now and, and our neighbors also, you know, our Abraham Accords and the peace we made with our Arab uh, friends, uh, you know, has helped also. We see all these now friends that we have and partners talking and trying to see perhaps how can they, how can they get Hamas to stop shooting the rockets? And if we learn from the past, you know, even going back to Israel's inception in 1948, Israel has always said yes. When, you know, the UN came and said, this part will be for Israel and this part will be for the Israel said yes. It wasn't Israel who said no. It was the Arabs who said no. They thought they would be stronger and be able to con conquer or beat, you know, win Israel, win the war with Israel. They said no. They started the war, which we know is the war of independence. They lost. They could have said yes back then. And it happened again and again through the years. But again, if you look at Israel, whenever there's a, a good suggestion that comes to Israel and they promise us no rockets and they promise us quiet, Israel has always said yes. So, you know, at times we've left, uh, we didn't get everything we wanted, but we still said yes, because the most important thing for us is peace, is quiet, is security for everybody living in Israel. So I'm assuming that if the talks are serious and somebody is able to control these terrorist groups, and, you know, the fact that you maybe can talk to one terror group doesn't mean that the other terror group will agree with it, right? We need assurances. So based on my past experience, and I've been sadly, you know, going through this for many years, living in Israel as an Israeli, definitely in my work now, I tend to say that Israel has no interest in prolonging it, and we're not prolonging it, but we won't step down while rockets are being, uh, are being target, you know, are targeting our civilian population or targeting Israel at all, if I may say. So we're not prolonging it. We have no interest in prolonging it. So I'm assuming uh, that Israel will, if there's something serious that can promise us peace and security, we'll take it. But, you know, we, uh, I guess, you, I know this is what we're praying for. I think this is what everybody's praying for. And as I told you, it's the holiday now and Shabbat was just there. I'm sure this is what everybody in Israel wishes for. Uh, Tammy, thank you so much. Uh, Jim is going to have a few questions, then we'll uh, say goodbye, but we so appreciate your time and, and your answers were, were incredible, very helpful. Thank you. Jim? Thank you, and I appreciate your time.
Uh, Tammy, Mario knows me enough to know it's not a few questions. I'll have about 250 questions, but I'll just go with, <laughs> I'll go with the top one or two. We're so delighted you're on. You're in diplomacy, so you can't comment. I'm not asking you to come comment on this, but most of us on this call believe that Donald Trump was president. This would never have happened. But I'm not going to ask you to comment. That's my opinion. I'm not trying to represent yours. Well, I can well. say, you know, the Abraham Accords are one of the best things that happened to Israel and Israel's security. Let me ask the question in the past. on that. Is in, in 48, you stood alone. In 67, you stood alone. In 73, you stood alone. Israel's always had to stand alone, except for U.S. and a few countries. But around you've been surrounded. It's a tough neighborhood that you live in. Very. But I'm, I'm wondering, with given the fact that Egypt, you have a treaty with Egypt, you have a treaty with Jordan, you have good relationships there, and then the much-touted Abrahamic Accords at UAE, Bahrain, and Morocco, why aren't these countries, or maybe they are and I'm missing it, why aren't these countries, these five countries, rising up with much bolder pushback against the terrorists now, if it's happening, I'm not hearing it, and I'm not aware of it. I hope it is happening, and I just missed it. But it seems to me, particularly in light of the, again, much touted Abrahamic Accords, these countries ought to step up the plate and say, stop it, and assist you in, the, in the defending your, your homeland. Am I missing something that is actually happening, but I'm just not hearing of it? Um, one, there are things happening quietly in different channels. And we're hoping that in those channels, this message that you so clearly put out is being expressed. Uh, that's one of our hopes. Secondly, the world today, as you know, in the US and in Israel is not the same situation as when we signed the Abraham Accords. So, you know, these countries might not feel as secure. Secondly, it's still a new, you know, it's a new, it's a new relationship. And don't forget, Israel is one Jewish country. They have all of the Arab and Muslim world to deal with. And these countries, when they came forth, when the U.S. called upon them and they came forth and signed the Abraham Accords, right? When President Trump called and brought everybody to the table, they were pioneers in what they were doing. Other Arab countries weren't so happy with what they were doing. Everybody was looking at them. So I think they're now on the, you know, UAE said some things we've seen things being said, which we need to be grateful for. But I think they find themselves in a difficult situation. And I agree. And I think that saying terror is terror and stop terrorism shouldn't be difficult, no matter who you are and no matter what political arena you're in at the moment. And this is our message. But you know what? I Because they took such a brave step, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in September uh, 2020, I think we should give them... Uh, the leeway and say, because they are doing things, we hear that they're doing things and speaking in their roots and their channels. But I agree with you, it shouldn't be so difficult to get up and say, stop this terror. So within, um, the, uh, within the US Senate, there used to be an Israel Allies Caucus headed up by Senator Engel and, um, and Senator yeah. uh, Frank. Now they're both out, Frank's been out for some time. Engel and Elliot Engel now. Yeah. Yes, he, he's gone. Uh, is there an Israel Allies Caucus in the U.S. Senate currently? And if so, who are their leaders? And who are the strongest? Is there an Israel Allies Caucus in the House of Representatives that you're aware of? That's a very important question. There's the Jewish, uh, you know, there's the Jewish caucus that I know. And we've seen, we've had a few friends uh, um, speaking for us, both in the Senate and in Congress. May I get back to you if there's... I don't sure. think there is actually an Israel Allies at the moment's caucus, but I I want to 
because you know they came in in January. Let me see before I'll get back to you with that answer. But there are some, uh, perhaps not enough, and you know the voices we hear. And I don't want to get too much into that, but the loud voices we hear are very difficult for us to hear. It's those voices that don't differentiate. Where you know, stop killing children, stop targeting women, and you know, and and people in hospitals. Uh, the voices we hear are are different, or the loudest perhaps are different voices. And you know, and all we can do is work together to change the tide and make something, some truths that are so obvious and so hurtful uh, clear. Well, T Tammy, I've got so many more questions, but I I'm gonna have to pass on that because there's other things to do, but we are so appreciative and just know once again what I suspect you're fully aware of, American evangelicals stand 100% with, uh, well, it may not be 100, but it's at 90, 90 percentile plus, okay, probably 95 percentile of evangelicals stand rock solid with the nation of Israel and solidarity with our Jewish special friends, and so we, we stand with you in this time of, of tragedy and pain. And suffering once again. No people group has ever suffered like the Jewish people have suffered mm -hmm. in all of history. So we're we're solidly with you in this moment of crisis once again. I uh, thank you very much, and really, and as I said and before, and let me end with this as well. You know, your prayers, your thoughts, the strength you send us, we feel it. We feel it here, and we feel it in Israel, and we truly, truly appreciate it. Tammy, if we can have two more minutes of your time. Oh yeah, I'm here. I'm okay. not going anywhere. Stay or you're free to, uh, to go. Um, first to the audience, um, last broadcast and again today, I'm going to have Adam come on. We have sent out a request on World Prayer Network and for other national networks in the United States asking Christian leaders and organizations to mobilize support for Israel in this critical hour. We're asking you to consider, if you're an organization or, or represent an organization, to draft press releases, op-eds, social media posts on behalf of your church or organization or individually condemning the Hamas terrorist attacks on civilian population centers and affirming Israel's right to defend herself. We also encourage you, if you can please, on behalf of yourself, churches or networks to contact your senators, congressional representatives, and the White House, asking them to strongly condemn Hamas's terrorist actions and to support Israel's right to defend herself and to denounce the fallacy of any moral equivalency between terrorist bombings of innocent civilians and the le legitimate action of a nation state in its defense. Adam, can you tell our, our viewers how they can post their links, please? Yes, thank you, Mario. So we put up a site on our website, worldprayernetwork.org forward slash Israel. I put those posts in both wow. the Facebook and the YouTube comments. What we're asking is that you go here to this page, post all of your statements of unequivocal support for Israel, their right to defend themselves against these terrorist threats. Post that stuff online, social media, YouTube, podcast, website, newsletter, however you're able to do that. And then go to our website and give us the links to those public posts, okay? If you don't have a public uh, social media account where you can post publicly, there is a spot to upload a small image if that's all you have, but we would love the links to those public posts. We're gonna take those links, compile them, and deliver them to our friends over in Israel to let them know yeah. just who stands in solidarity with our brothers and sisters over there. 
So go to worldprayernetwork.org forward slash Israel, or just go to the website. You'll see the button on the top in the menu says stand with Israel takes two minutes and we'd greatly appreciate it. And Tammy, one last thing, if we may, we would love to pray for you and for Israel. I want to ask pastor Pam Olson, if you can please pray for Tammy. Uh, we so appreciated her, her being on and her briefing and her heart and also for Israel on this feast of Pentecost. And pray for yes. her parents as well, uh, who are there even this very night. Think what they're going through this potentially right now as we're in the comfort of our homes. They may be running for safety, so include her yes. parents as well. Yes, Tammy, I have stood in the embassy in D.C. and led teams there to pray for Israel inside the embassy there, as well as in Israel, and have stood and prayed in the middle of things going on last time with some rockets. And my heart was broken when I heard parents of young children saying they had 30 seconds to throw themselves over on top yeah. of their children to protect them. So my heart tonight with just all of Israel, all around the world, people are standing with you guys and we'll be praying for you. So let's just go to prayer. Lord, our hearts tonight around the world, God, I have talked to people from, from nations and we are contending for the peace of Jerusalem. We are contending for all Israel to be saved. And Lord, tonight, as Tammy has spoken, God, that we want people to see that Hamas is a terrorist group and terrorism is wrong and Israel has a right to defend itself. And Lord, I pray for Tammy. I pray for strength for her as she is talking to people around the world about Israel and about what is going on. And Lord, her heart as a, a daughter with her parents there, God, as well as so many others across the nation of Israel, Lord, that she is just just deeply disturbed watching what's happening, just like all of us. And we pray for protection of her, her parents and God protections of those in Israel, Lord. Tonight, God, we are asking you for a turning that this terrorist attack would stop. And Lord God, I pray that you would give strength to her and the team there at the Israeli embassy. Lord, as they are, are speaking to members of Congress, Lord, we cry out tonight that Congress will stand for Israel. Lord, that you will just literally shut the mouths of those that are speaking wrongly about this situation. And Lord God, you would move and you would touch hearts. Lord, I thank you for our governor, Ron DeSantis, has so boldly spoken about Israel's right to defend itself. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you are moving around the nation, Lord, our nation, and around the nations to say, we stand with Israel. Let Tammy hear that tonight on this World Prayer Network call. We stand with Israel. And Lord, we cry out tonight that you will move, Lord, on Pentecost, God, as, as we see a move of your presence, Lord, in this, this hour of history, God, that we are contending, Holy Spirit, come. As a Christian leader, Lord, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem tonight and ask you to move, God. And Lord, our hearts for the families and especially the young children there, Lord, protect the children, protect their hearts and their minds that they have lived with so much fear that we don't understand in America. But, oh, God, that our hearts would break, Lord, and we would speak so boldly. Lord, even as Mario said, people need to write the letters, Lord. We need to stand. We need to speak boldly. We need to pray, Lord God, that you will move. And we thank you, Lord God. God, I, I love you. And Jesus, I love you. And I pray as a Christian leader. For those in Washington, D.C. at the embassy and those in, in Jerusalem and around all of Israel for peace and that you will move. And I thank you, Lord God, that tonight 
We stand with Israel in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tammy, for what you do. And we will continue to pray for you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Tammy, uh, we are going to continue. You are more than welcome to stay on. If you need to leave, we totally understand it. And we so appreciate your time. God bless you. At this time, uh, Steve Fado, if you can lead us in prayer for Israel, please. Yeah, I'm uh, reading out of the book of Numbers. Chapter 23, verse 21. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. The shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. There's no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. Look, a people rise like a lioness, lifts itself up like a lion, shall not lie down until it devours the prey, drinks the blood of the slain. So, Father, I'm thanking you for your covenant promise for Israel and that you're not a man that you should lie and that you keep your word and that you're watching over this covenant. And we give you praise for that. And we thank you, Lamb of God, that every single weapon that is even being formed now against Israel will be destroyed. Father, I'm thanking you that there's not only an iron dome over Israel, but there's even a greater dome over Israel, and that is your covenant. And we thank you that you watch over your covenant to bring it to pass, and you love the Jewish people, and you love the people of Israel. So we're thanking you right now that there's going to be great victory and that even in this great victory that you're going to bring forth something that perhaps wasn't brought forth before and that Israel will triumph over all of their enemies because you have promised it. And we know it's because of you. And I pray this in the name of Yeshua, and we give you the glory for doing it. Amen. Amen. Katie ba Bailey, if you can please lead us in prayer. Yes, uh, Lord. First, I just want to thank you, God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that you are using all of these circumstances for good. Thank you, God, that yesterday at our Hawaii convention, Lord, that it was approved by the Republican Party. I, I submitted a resolution and it was approved. And I thank you, God, to fight against the BDS and all the evil that is befalling on Israel. I thank you, God, that just before this call today, I was uh, contacted by the Jewish community that we would mobilize together, do a rally, stand on the roads and, and, and sign and show the flags of Israel. So, Lord, you are bringing unity. You are moving on the people here uh, in Hawaii and around the world to mobilize on behalf of Israel. And God, I never want to take for granted your covenant, your holy covenant. Uh, God, we have uh, been complacent with your covenant. And I want to say, God, forgive us. Forgive us for what we have done, Lord. Never to take your covenant lightly, that we would always know that you made covenant with the land of Israel and the land 
uh, with your people. So Father, we ask you to, to forgive us for taking that lightly. And Father, we just pray for a great move uh, of your Holy Spirit on the land of Israel. We ask for a revival. We ask God that uh, the days of Elijah are upon us. We ask God and declare that you are using us to prepare the way of the Lord. We are the voice crying in the desert and we are making a highway for our God. We are sounding the trumpet. We are, it's not by might nor by power, but God, we are in the days of Pentecost and we're asking that the Pentecost fire be poured out. God, just as Elijah asked for the fire from heaven to be poured out, you poured out your fire. We want the fire from heaven, the fire of that you poured out for Elijah, poured out on our land, poured out for, for Israel at this time. Defend her and protect her, God. She is your chosen people. This is your covenant land. And Father, we need you. It's not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the living God. And Lord, your word says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Sion. Shout, you daughter of Jerusalem. Your king is coming to you with righteousness and with salvation. So God, I thank you, Lord, that you are using these evil circumstances, this, this, this bombing and these rockets, Lord, the, the suffering that our Jewish people are going through, God, that you're going to use this for good and you're going to bring a great glory and that your name will be glorified through the land of Israel. So, Father, we just hold them up. We ask for your divine protection. And I ask this in the name of my Lord, my Savior, my Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Thank you so much. Mary Beth, please lead us in prayer. She's muted. I'm muted. Oh, where is she? I'm here. Mary Beth, I believe you're muted. You're muted, Mary Beth. Oh, thank you, Jim. Father, we come before you with hearts of lament. And Father, we join with your people this evening, Father, who are gathered together for a feast. And Father, we join with their hearts both in sorrow. And Father, we come humbly before you as I pray a prayer from the psalm, one of the traditional traditions of Shavuot, O oh God is to lift up psalms of praise. And so I pray these verses to you, O Lord, on behalf of your people from Psalm 118. Praise Adonai, for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. Father, would you bring these words, O God, into the remembrance of those, O God, gathered together for their Shabbat and for them who are gathered together trying to rest this evening. Oh, let Israel say, for his loving kindness endures forever. Oh, let the house of Aaron say, for his loving kindness endures forever. Oh, let those who fear Adonai say, for his loving kindness endures forever. Out of a tight place, I called on Adonai. Adonai answered me with a spacious place. Adonai is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Adonai is for me as my helper. You pushed me hard to make me fall, but Adonai helped me. Adonai is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. 
So, Father, we pray, O oh God, this evening with great gratitude to you, for indeed your hand is upon Israel. Father, your people, your place is the apple of your eye. God, I pray this word over them, O oh God, that you will strengthen those who are weary, that you will give wisdom to those who need it at this moment. You will give clarity, you will give wisdom, Father, and you will strengthen hearts in each situation, Father, from the table where families and neighbors are gathered to the streets, O oh God, where the first responders are acting quickly, to the soldiers, O oh God, on the front lines. We lift them before you and we say, thank you, O oh God, for blessed is he who comes in the name of Adonai. We bless you from the house of Adonai, for Adonai is God, and he has given us light. We thank you, O Lord. We praise Adonai, for you are good, for your loving kindness endures forever. And we pray in the name above all names, the name of Yeshua. Amen. And thank you so much. Back to you, Jim. When, when we understand the Jewish situation, if we understand it historically, if we understood it historically, every single person on the globe would stand with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Rewind. If we understood it historically, what is happening? The reason I'm saying that is most people are getting a snapshot glimpse of just right now. If some college student comes along and calls Israel apartheid, it's because they have a snapshot of right now. They have no glimpse, no grasp of what has preceded it, particularly the last 104 years since the Balfour Declaration, or let's just go all the way back 4,000 years. I want to encourage you, if you would like a quick overview, I put it together in seven sections, uh, seven parts, Understanding Israel's War, Understanding Israel's War, parts one through seven. Six of them have just gone, the one just went out a little bit ago in our newsletter. The seventh one will go out tomorrow. You can go to wellversedworld.org, wellversedworld.org, and click on news, and you can see the six, at least five are posted there. The sixth is about to be posted there. The seventh one will come out tomorrow. You can receive it. You'll go to wellversedworld.org and just sign up for our newsletter. It's imperative we understand this this, uh, what is happening in historical context? Because, you know, she mentioned the, Tammy mentioned the resiliency of the Jews. There's no people group that demonstrates such staggering resiliency against all odds when even their allies and their friends have turned against them. Countries who agreed to let them finally have a land turned right against them. One of the most shocking things to me in Israel, I'd been there 21 times, and on my last trip there, Rosemary uh, took us all to a place I'd never heard of, Atlib Concentration yeah, Camp. At leave concentration camp in Acre, Israel, and it is a detention camp for the Jews that were able to finally make it back to Israel in night after the World War II, survived Europe miraculously, and only about a million and a half survived. They tried to make it back, and then they were thrown in concentration camps in their own country, mind you. It's still there and, and, and held in there by the British, not the Germans, the British at this point. So their resiliency has been staggering. We can go to the next section. Anything you want to add to what I just said before we go to our next uh, next speaker? Sure. No, but um, just to know that we have all been called to live in this hour, and, and this is our test, and this is our further refining because God is sifting out a remnant, and it's it's 
challenge after challenge, test after test to see who will be those who, who will, will survive all the tests and remain faithful to God's covenant. Because it's, it's, it is about Israel, it is about his people, but it's really about our relationship with the Lord. Do we love what he loves? Do we care for what he cares for? Are we saying the prayer of Ruth, which is being recited now by Jews all over the world and remembering the nations that and a remnant of righteous, here's where we get the righteous of the, of the nations like Corey Ten Boom, Oscar Schindler, who were willing, the small number to lay down their life for the Jewish people. They were willing without remuneration to be a friend, a true friend to Israel, to protect them with their very own life and substance. So this is the moment when we are all being challenged to say, I will go where you go. Your God will be my God, your people, my people. Where you live, I will live. And where you die, I will die. So let us all be challenged to take the, up this prayer and this cry in our own heart and cling like Ruth did, cling and cleave to Naomi, cleave to Israel, our mothers and fathers in the faith and the holders of the covenant at this time for, that is the true preparation to bring forth Messiah, to be part of that remnant bride. Uh, thank you, Rosemary. Just one more thing about the seven part series I put out, I wanna encourage you to get. I designed it for men. Men have to have a lot of white spaces and men have a, lot, have a lot of pictures. Women don't need that. Their brains, they can read concentrated stuff. Men can't. So I put a lot of white space on it. I put a lot of pictures on to help guys get through it. So, man, I made it painless for, for even all of you. Well, I'm so excited to go now to Nicole Jansazim. Uh, she was with us before from Israel. She lives in Israel. I won't ask her what part of Israel unless she wants to talk about that. But she was with us on a previous call and was remarkable. Nicole, I cannot tell you how pleased and happy we are to have you back with us. So talk to us about what is happening in Israel. Give us a personal perspective and whatever other insights you want to share for us. Well, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Rosemary, Mario. Hi, Jody, Connie. It's good to see you guys again. I'm in Jerusalem. So um um, it's uh, the Shavuot, like um, Tammy said, uh, it's, uh, Shavuot started a couple hours ago. We had a great dinner uh, with some friends and, um, you know, really calm here in Jerusalem, which is, you know, it, it's uh, funny to say that, but yes, it is, uh, we're, we, we're not getting sirens, um, uh, you know, so it's it, it, Jerusalem's actually calm after I'll, I'll, I'll explain how it wasn't before, but just uh, two seconds before um, before I came on here, the, we are there's rockets in the south. Like I was just getting the alerts right now that they just uh, it's been been quiet for like three hours and suddenly rockets again. Um, so so anyway, I I watched your um, the one. Uh, the call that you had with uh, Eric Seckelbeck and Chris Mitchell. So um, that was, so I just wanted to catch, you know, I guess I could, you know, catch you guys up on what's happened since then. It's, um, a, you know, more, more of the same in terms of what's happening um, with, um, you know, between Israel and Hamas. Um, we, but I, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to focus on, on something 
that I've noticed like as a reporter, I work for um, All Israel News. Um, it's a new um, Israel News website with uh, Joel Rosenberg. And um, so, so through this, you know, we've been uh, covering the war and um, it, in my coverage and in my reporting, if, um, if I ask Israelis, what are you more concerned about right now? Like obviously, you know, rockets coming, we've had 3000 rockets in six days. And just to compare, um, in the last uh, big war that Israel had with Hamas in 2014, it was 50 days and there were 2,500 rockets. So we've already had more rockets in six days than during that war in 2014 in 50 days. So um, it's, it's totally different and it's extremely concerning, but we have something else going on that has also never happened before. And I don't know how much um, reporting you get on this over there, um, but, uh, but in, in Israel, it's, uh, you know, right up there with the, with the rockets. It's 50-50, uh, I would say. Is there sort of like a civil war going on in the streets of Israel? There's uh, some kind of civil unrest. Uh, the, some news outlets are calling it anarchy. Um, and if you ask Israelis, uh, what are you more concerned about right now? And they would say that they're more concerned about the civil unrest that's going on. Because everybody knows this rocket, these rocket attacks are gonna end. This happens every so often. Unfortunately, it's a pattern, you know, uh, that this happens. But um, the, it's the, it's the um, civil, it's, Israel's a very mixed society. Um, you know, there's, uh, there are towns that are Arab and there's towns that are, are Jewish uh, populated, but uh, we work together, we eat at uh, restaurants together. Um, so suddenly there's uh, this distrust and there's, uh, you know, um, concern. But what's happening now is not, did not happen in a vacuum. Neither the, the war with Hamas and neither the civil unrest. So if I could just like, you know, um, just focus in like uh, um, bring bring you onto the ground in Israel and just tell you like a, a few things um, that have I believe that have added up to to this point. Um, if you look at you guys know what's happening with the Israeli government. I was on the call with you guys right after the election and that was March the election was March 23rd. So today now it's May 17th in Israel. We still don't have a government. We still don't know who's going to be the prime minister. I know uh, Chris Mitchell talked about it, and there's still no, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, so, so that's been now two years with no government, um, and still we don't know. Um, Netanyahu has not been able to form a government, and he's the sitting prime minister for 12 years. And the fact that he, you know, did, wasn't able to do it shows that he could be weakening. Um, so there also has not been a budget for two years. Um, we didn't have a justice minister for about a month and we didn't have a police chief, which there's a national police. Israel's a small country, so it's a national police. It's not like in the US where you have different uh, police stations. Uh, um, there was not a police chief for two years. So, a lot of this 
adds up to no, there's, there's a lack of um, confidence in the system. There's um, a lack of law and order, or there's like a deterioration. I want to say there's a lack of law, law and order, but there's, there's been like a de deterioration of law and order. Um, there has been um, a lot of violence in the Arab sector um, over the last few months. Um, there's, it, and this always comes up um, also during election time because then the politicians all promise to help, you know, in the Arab sector and to, uh, because there is really isn't enough of focus um, to uh, help in those air areas. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about like the Palestinians, I'm talking about the Arab Israelis. Um, so, it, you know, the responsibility of the Israeli government. So um, there has been a, a lot of violence um, and, uh, you know, shootings and um, kind of like, you know, gang wars in a way. And um, there's a, an outcry for help from these communities, from people who are caught in the crossfire. So um, these are, are the kind of things that have been brewing for months. And the other um, sector that doesn't really get policed, so to speak, is um, the ultra-Orthodox. And you guys probably heard about um, the tragedy at Mount Moron on Lagba Omer um, when they had 100,000 uh, gather, 100,000 ultra-Orthodox uh, who were celebrating this, um, this holiday um, and, and there was um, like a um, like a crush of of people. Somebody slipped or um, something fell, and everybody piled up on top of each other. And forty five people died. It was one of the worst tragedies we had in Israel. Um, worst non wartime uh, tragedies that we had, and so. Um, but the police were specifically not supposed to control the crowds there. And all during uh, COVID also, they didn't control the crowds in, um, you know, like when, when, when there were Orthodox weddings with 600 people or they celebrated holidays. And just tonight, actually, there was a, a synagogue for, uh, for Shavuot. Um, the, there was a synagogue north of Jerusalem in Piskat Zeev, not Piskat Zeev, Givat Zeev. And uh, there was a collapse of, uh, there was a collapse there, like a, a scaffolding or where, you know, uh, bleachers where people were standing collapsed and two people died. So there's, um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot going on behind the scenes and it's not, it's, it's not just rockets. Um, but um, what, what's happening with the civil war, with the, with, with the violence, um, it started, on Monday night, we've had, I could, I mean, there was a whole lead up to, to what happened with the rockets. The rockets did not happen in a vacuum either. There was um, a lot of agitation um, uh, surrounding a certain property that, you know, the, that Palestinians or Arabs live in and um, Israelis claim it. And there's a war, there's a, a lawsuit uh, going back and forth and there's been protests there. But, um, and then with Ramadan, uh, which started on uh, April 12th. Um, so there have been clashes every night um, outside the old city um, over specific, uh, you know, access. They wanted access, uh, the Muslims wanted access to the steps outside Damascus Gate and the police had barricades there. So, so things started heating up there. And, um, 
And by the end of the month, uh, by near the end of, of Ramadan, there were all out clashes at Al-Aqsa Mosque. And, you know, that's one of uh, the reasons that the rest of the Arab world was inflamed and also uh, condemned Israel. You know, I, I know you were talking to Tammy about, um, you know, why, you know, wouldn't they stand against against terrorists and they they might have but you know when it comes to al-aqsa i i think all well, all bets are off so um so anyway so the after, from that incident when the police had to when the police went into uh, the temple mount compound and um because of the rioting that was going on there um Arabs around the country, around Israel, and I'm, again, I'm not talking about the Palestinians in, in Gaza and the West Bank, but Arabs around the country uh, actually started rioting as well and um, holding up Hamas flags even. And uh, it was, uh, you know, first it, it was startling and you thought, oh, okay, you know, well, you know, they're, they're, everybody's upset because of this. But then it, it uh, a, you know, it's like a switch was flipped and it actually uh, became more like urban warfare. Um, you know, there was a, a, one night, um, there, there was a confrontation with police and an Arab man was killed. Um, and then the next night they took to the, the streets as well and the police were sent in. The city was put under curfew. It's a city near Tel Aviv called Lod. And the city happens to be a mixed city of uh, Arabs and Jews and, um, it was, you know, what the mayor described it as a uh, crystal knocked because uh, there were synagogues shattered and uh, it got really bad. Um, and, you know, you're sitting here watching this unfold uh, on TV. And I have to say, like, a, you know, social media and TV has never covered a war like this before. I mean, this is really, um, you know, it's, it's, you don't need Netflix, let's put it that way, um, unfortunately. Um, so, so this was unfolding in this one city and then, um, the word went out that it was going to spill into other cities. Now, the next night, it actually was, um, there was actually a Jewish group that is known, uh, they're, um, called La Familia and they put out a call to go and join their, their Jewish brothers in Lod. And I think they didn't make it to the city of Lod. They went to another city. And there is footage of them rampaging around the city, finding Arab shops and shattering the glass and vandalizing the stores, and then uh, pulling an Arab man out of his car and beating him to within an inch of his life. And, um, and, and then that was it. I, there are about seven to, to 15 cities that are up in flames right now. You mentioned Acre, um, we say Akko here, and, and it's another uh, integrated city with Muslims and Jews and, and Christians, and that city is in flames as well. Um, police are going in. They've declared a police state and curfew uh, in some of these, uh, or state of emergency in some of these cities. And um, it's not safe to walk on the streets. So, um, so Net, um, Prime Minister Netanyahu said the the other day. He said there is um, no situation more threatening right now than this. 
And I, I, I have to agree. I think there's a, um, a people are generally walking around with a, you know, a sense of like, who, who is, who's this person walking by or, um, you know, just the uh, lack of, um, of um, trust in who your neighbor is, which is uh, much harder. Um, you know, I've also asked Israelis, I, I, was, I, I was here during the second intifada um, myself, but I also have asked people who have been been here, who were born here, and they say this is like nothing that they've ever lived through before. And they're not even talking about the rockets. So, um, so I find that very interesting um, that I think we're just living in a in a different time and that all of the um, dysfunction that we have seen in the last couple of years in the government is now spilling out into, um, into the country, into uh, the neighborhoods. And uh, um, yeah, just to uh, tell you a, a story I went uh, to cover on a positive note, a, a rally of um, Jews and Arabs who got together well, and it turns out that there were uh, rallies throughout the country. It just the word went out really fast on uh, WhatsApp and on Facebook, you know, to go pick a point and gather people and go, you know, uh, demonstrate in solidarity, hold up signs in Arabic and Hebrew. So, um, so they went up around, those went up around the country, which was great. And I went to one of them in Jerusalem and I spoke with, uh, with a lot of people, but this one, you know, Arab woman told me uh, they live in Jerusalem, and she said that uh, she was taking her son to the mall, and um, and he said when they got close to the entrance, he said, "Mom, let's let's whisper because I don't want anybody to hear us speaking Arabic." And she said, "Wow," she said, "When you don't feel safe speaking your own language, then you know you you know that the society has lost its sanity." And um, it's, you know, obviously it's the same for, for Jews. I don't want to make this, you know, one is worse than the other. I think uh, what we're seeing is that what you're seeing unfolding is something that is very scary that's going to have uh, consequences uh, beyond when this, you know, after the ceasefire, um, it, I'm sure there'll be a ceasefire in a couple of days between Israel and Hamas. And after that, we're still going to be dealing with the aftermath of this uh, civil unrest. And I just wanted to express that to, to you guys, because I think that that is going to need long-term prayers. Well, thank you for the report from the streets. This is disturbing, to say the least. Uh, we're certainly all aware of the rockets. Uh, we were only vaguely aware of what you've described on, on, the, on the streets of this. So thank you for that. I have a question that's kind of off course from that, and frankly, not all that important a question, and I admit it in advance. Given the dynamic of all the pressures that Israel is under right now, I would assume that the last time we, we had you on, we talked about the vaccination. Most people wanted it. A uh, small percentage did not want it. We're being almost coerced to take it. And they were just starting, as I understand it, vaccination of children when the war broke out. Has that issue kind of just moved way to the back burner, non-existent, number one. Number two, uh, Netanyahu inability to form a government throws you into potentially a fifth election in two years, two and a half years or whatever will be with no, no government. Is that issue kind of pushed off to the back burner too? Or has this politically 
um, enhanced Netanyahu's capacity to potentially form a new government in light of leadership that may be happening right now in the midst of this war. I'm asking in ignorance. I don't have any knowledge either way on this, but just I'm just curious if that could be going on. That's a great question. Um, the, on Monday, um, before the rockets had started, but um, it was, you know, there were still tensions flaming the Temple Mount. And by the way, all of it was focused in Jerusalem and now there's nothing in Jerusalem, it's totally fine. But up until Monday, um, um, Yair Lapid, who is a, a center centrist politician, um, was given the mandate to form a government. And on Monday, he was so close, and they even said they were probably going to announce an agreement on Tuesday. And the rockets started Monday. So, of course, they're not going to announce anything. Of course, you know, you cannot, you know, it, it's insensitive and, you know, it's not, it's not on, the, on the table at that point. But within a couple of days, um, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the major uh, players is Naftali Bennett, and he's a right winger, and the name of his party is Right Word. It's Yamina. He announced, uh, I, maybe it was Wednesday night or two, uh, that he said this, this, this anti-Netanyahu, they called the change block. It was called the, the change block, which was going to be like just anybody but Netanyahu. He said, it's off the table. There's no way we can do it. We have to have a strong white right-wing government. And so it looks like it could go back to Netanyahu now, but, you know, we won't. Israeli politics is so, um, it's it's on shifting, I mean, this specific government setup now is really on shifting sands. There's uh, Likud, which is uh, Netanyahu's party, is the largest, and um, Lapid has the second largest party, but I think, uh, I, I already forgot the numbers, it's like old news, but Likud's in the 20s and Lapid has 18, and then beyond that, everybody else is like 10 and under. So it's like, you know, just fitting like little blocks to make, you know, to get to 60. Um, and they're all special interest groups, you know, that have their thing, like the, there's an Islamic party that was gonna sit with the right wingers. Um, there's also, yeah, but I, I won't get too, too much into that. But I mean, does the, if that, I don't know if that answers. Yeah, now my, when Reuven Reuven, the president gave the mandate, they have 28 days, correct? try to form and so the clock is ticking on Lapid. He's yes. well into that now. So he's he will he will run out of time in another couple weeks, correct? Right. Um I think it might be two weeks at this point. I, I lost track. I mean, you know, the for me the clock stopped ticking with the with the war and then we were you know only covering that pretty much. So um yeah so I don't know it must be like another two weeks or I don't remember the date. In, in times of war and tragedy, a nation tends to surround uh, with greater support its sitting leader. And so I thought potentially this could be, uh, I'm not suggesting the war was caused by this, but politically advantageous to Netanyahu to be able to establish a government once Lapid has presumably failed. But that, that's not near as, as important a question as just your overall uh, safety right now. And it is alarming to hear that the what's happening in the streets uh, is really a greater threat to you. I, I would, I would, I, I, I'm not pushing back on anything you said because you're there and I'm not. But the Jewish group that drug the Arab man out 
I mean, that, that's an outlier. That's not a normal Jewish behavior. Right, uh, and you know what? It's outliers on both sides. You're right, and I should uh, I should um, point this out, um, is that this group, uh, when I said they're, they're like this known group and they're, they're, um, um, they're known for their violence, they're, they're basically they're soccer hooligans. They are actually like um, fans of a, of a soccer team. And you know, the hooligans in, in I guess in England, uh, you know, that they're, they're famous for rampaging after soccer games. And this is that team and they're very um, right wing. Right wing is not, doesn't always mean the same thing here as it means in America um, in politics, but um, they're very right wing, but um, al like also racially, like I don't wanna say they're racist, but they, um, um, definitely there have been a lot of chance of death to Arabs on the streets, um, you know, during this time, which is awful. And the same has been, you know, with, with the Arab groups and the Arab groups that are doing this are also being fueled and, and fed by, by people. Like when there were the riots in Jerusalem, people were coming from outside Jer Jerusalem. Uh, Muslims were coming to support the riots in Jerusalem. And when they were in, in loads, people were coming from Jerusalem to support. So definitely that you're talking about outliers from both sides and the good majority of Jews, Arabs, you know, Muslims, Christians um, are not like that and don't want that. They just want a normal life, but it has in infiltrated into everybody into, you know, it like the fear that it has been instilled in everybody now. So it's gonna set it's probably going to set people off more, which is sad. Yeah. Our nation experienced this a year ago, and we see it now in Colombia, nation after nation, where there's an infiltration of these groups to cause a racial, racist agenda to divide people in nations and people groups, people who had got along for years. We had mm -hmm. riots um, tearing down the statues, the foundations, the principles, attacking the, the founding of our nation, overthrowing our heritage, trying to remove history and to divide people. And I think that that was taken advantage of the war. And this was seeded then now into Israel as well, because as part of the global one world agenda to, to form a one world like a restoration of Babylon and the Tower of Babel type one world government. And so we are fighting as people, biblical people, people of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in covenant with God and in nations against this one world agenda that's trying to dissolve nations and their heritage and destroy people and turn people one against another. And I just, when I saw that happen in Israel, I said, oh, this is what they did in America last year. We witnessed this in the most peaceful little areas where there was never a problem. The people were brought in, they were bust in. Bricks and rocks were brought in, businesses were burned down. The same type of scenario. So we agree with you because we experienced this. We can really relate because it happened in our communities all last year. I'm gonna to go to Mario, but just to give context to Rosemary Shelley Sarsam, when I married her seven years ago, she came from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, she lived in an area that's predominantly black. She went to a church that was 85% black. Two of her brothers are married to African-Americans. They're, they're, they're a family that does not grasp any kind of, of, of difference. Black and white were all together and happy and enjoyed each other. And so uh, that's, that's the context from which 
she comes and she's witnessed the, these kind of racial strife has been really particularly shocking and heartbreaking to her, but to, to, to all of us as well. Uh, I know, Nicole, it's you got up at 2.45 a.m. your time to join us, and we're with us at 3 a.m. and now 4 a.m. I'm going to go right to Mario and let him ask a question or two or three, however he wants to, and so you can get back to some sleep before uh, hopefully no rockets are coming now so you get some sleep and, and can get back to bed. We're so appreciative of you staying up with us in the middle of the night like this. Mario, we'll go to you. Yeah, I just have one question. Thank you so much, Nicole. Um, Erdogan um, has come out recently um, saying that there needs to be some sort of, I know that he's looking for a caliphate um, and he was reaching out to Putin, uh, Russia and Turkey, uh, that they should be the ones to manage the Middle East. Is, is there any movement there um, between Russia, potentially Turkey, Iran on um, getting inching closer to um, Gog and Magog? Well, Erdogan has, his, has had his sights set on Jerusalem for a while. Um, I'm glad you asked this, this question. I mean, it just, it, you know, especially from, uh, um, I married an Armenian, so you can imagine I don't, uh, the, you know, how, how uh, we're always looking at what Turkey's doing, but um, Turkey has been um, doing what some people call like a quiet jihad in Jerusalem uh, for years now, where they've been buying property They've been um, um, supporting Palestinian causes um, and it, in Jerusalem. And so there's like, a, there is a, a Turkish presence already in Jerusalem. Um, so then a, a, another speculation was when um, everybody started signing up for the Abraham Accords, uh, Turkey uh, condemned everybody, even though they have their own peace agreement with Israel, they condemned others, uh, the other peace agreements, because this leads to, um, you know, eventually everybody thinks Saudi Arabia will also join the Abraham Accords. And, and then this would put um, Saudi and uh, Turkey, um, it looks like it would be between the, the two of them, the Saudis and the, and the Turks that want control of the Temple Mount ultimately. So, um, so anyway, I've also heard that they have reached out to, uh, to Russia in regard uh, you know, this, for this round. I don't know um, if, that's gonna, if that's going to happen. Um, the US is also involved, Egypt's involved. Um, but Turkey is also actually making overtures and reproachment right now with, with Egypt after I think about eight years of uh, uh, being on the outs. So act, interestingly enough, Turkey is, uh, you know, though it has um, been marginalized um, because it, it looked like it cast it, its lots with, with Iran and, and was going its own way. Um, um, it looks like that strategy had backfired. So now, uh, um, Turkey's making peace with quite a few countries or trying to like, uh, you know, restore relations with quite, quite a few countries. So, um, you know, I, I don't fully know what's going on there, but I think it's good for us to keep our eyes on it for, for sure. Thank you so much, Nicole. Uh, we so appreciate every time you come on and, and join us. Thank uh, you. It's great. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. 
Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.